Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Are you still relying on a frustrating patchwork of legacy solutions? Modernize your cybersecurity and data protection with the Cronus CyberProtect Cloud. It's a single solution that combines backup, anti-malware, and endpoint protection management. As an MSP, you can easily improve client security posture, eliminate complexity, and generate more recurring revenue. Learn more about Acronis CyberProtect Cloud at acronis.com. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Marnie Stockman, who is, in addition to all the other fun things we're going to say, a member of the Marketing Committee for the National Society of IT Service Providers. So uh, Marnie started her career in customer success with the toughest customers of all, high school math students. Her passion for education and using data and humor to help others grow and succeed took her from the classroom to senior director of customer success of a leading ed tech company and now to co-founder and CEO of Lifecycle Insights, a, a virtual CIO customer success platform for MSPs. Welcome. Please tell us anything else you want us to know about you. <laughs> well, thanks for having me for one. And I, uh, I do also want to give a shout out to NSITSP for sure. So I hope folks listening uh, will we'll take a look at that. Yeah, I'm, uh, like you said, CEO of Lifecycle Insights. You know, the, the typical route, right? Started as a high school math teacher. And folks say, how did you get from there to here? Right. <laughs> and, and the answer is, I ended up as the math supervisor and I ended up running uh, the software for the accountability. So I was in charge of all the data for the school system. And I presented it in front of the owner of that company who said, you should come run customer success for us. Because he believed customer success needed to be a good English to English translator. You need to understand what the business side of the house was looking for. And you need to know enough tech side of the house to have the tech talk also. Right. And so I think that's what managed service providers do, right? Regularly, they're business consultants. They're helping business folks reach their goals with technology and they have to be English to English translators as well. So we built a platform to first run the reports that they should run for business reviews. And then we built the customer success platform because it's really something the industry hadn't focused on before. So that's how I landed here. It's, it's interesting. So a couple of things, first of all, uh, you know, I went to graduate school in political science. So here I am. <laughs> gotcha. So we both took traditional paths. Yeah. Here. yeah. Got it. <laughs> when, you're, when you're young kids, uh, and I know your kids aren't young anymore, but, you know, when they're young and they say, oh, you know, how do I get to do this? Like, yeah, you just wander the earth until you find your way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and now I tell them, well, there's Google for that. So go figure it out and you can yeah. do whatever you want. You, you, can't, you can't plan where your life is going to go. I mean, yeah. you can try. Yeah. Yeah. But then life steps in. So, um, and then the, the second thing is, so I love the idea of the translation because my favorite clients has always told me, what we love about you is that you explain things so we actually understand it and we don't feel stupid. And that's this weird thing that's been going on in technology, I think since day one, yeah. is that somehow technologists make their clients feel stupid. And that's not a good way to sell things. <laughs> right. 
No, and uh, honestly, if you think about if you had a favorite math teacher, they probably also explained it in a way that you enjoyed it. They had passion for it, but could talk about it in a way that made it consumable. My students, I remember one of my favorite compliments was, Ms. Stockman, I don't even like this stuff, but I love coming to your class because you're so passionate about it. And you explain it in a way that I get it and I feel good about myself when I leave that like I suddenly don't mind pre-calculus. So I'm right. with you. Well, and it's odd because I think there's a sense in technology to want to feel like we hold this special knowledge that others don't have. It's almost like, you know, uh, physicians in the 1300s or something, you know, <laughs> like we have the magic and only the way I can. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, wave smoke over your server and it will work. Uh, but, but that sense of keeping this knowledge to ourselves is just a bad habit in general. And it's not a good, it's not a good practice. So let's give out your website just to make sure people have it. So it's lifecycleinsights.io and insights yeah. is S-I-G-H-T-S. Yes. So lifecycleinsights.io. Um, and I love that you also have lifecycleinsights.sucks. Yeah, we do. For your competition, it's the, it's the asterisks on that one, right? Yeah, so and we're going we're gonna to put both of those down in the links below. So Please do. Folks should check that one out. I love to tell stories about that one. That one, we have scathing one-star reviews from our actual Lifecycle Insights partners who have mockingly um, given us stories like, thanks, Lifecycle. You've saved me so much time. I can now go to my mother-in-law's dinners every Thursday night. You yeah. suck. You know, that. <laughs> Like, how am I going to pay all these taxes? Thanks to all the money you're making me. Thanks, Lifecycle. So, so our partners are great sports. Uh, and when I said that uh, that we wanted to build this site, we had no shortage of folks volunteering to write one-star Yelp reviews or give video testimonies. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. So uh, it's funny. So uh, you may or may not know this that um, uh, I have a blog post called uh, Robin Robbins Bugs Me. And I have this, I that, but I will be there later. I, I registered a domain that points to that. So people, when they go on uh, Google and they, you know, put in Robin Robbins and, you know, they're trying to determine whether or not uh, she's the real deal or whatever. They go to this blog post and then it says, you know, Robin Robbins, you know, she bugs me to make my phone call. She bugs me to get my newsletter out. She bugs me to, right? it's like, I love it. and so then it. they end up, you know, checking out her stuff. And then when they say, where did you hear about us? Oh, this blog post over here. <laughs> yeah, that, that I have had multiple people tell me that they bought the dot sucks domains because of, of you know, the life cycle insights that sucks, which I think is fantastic. I feel like rebel.com, which is where you can get them, should give us a kickback. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's interesting because today, you're more likely to get some hits where people are like, oh, here's the alternative. Like everybody's claiming they love her over here, but let me look at the real deal. Oh, you know, is Marnie real? And so they they will click on that. And so it's, I think it's a great strategy. But anyway, so um, tell us about uh, Lifecycle Insights. What, fundamentally, what do you do? Yeah, so fundamentally we make QBRs easy and strategic for MSBs. So um, first, I can battle the word QBR uh, all day long with everybody else. I'll stop calling them QBRs when people stop Googling it. Um, but really, if we change the Q from quarterly to quality business reviews, then I think we all agree they need to be done. So we integrate with PSAs or a documentation platform in order to automate the reports that need automating. So that's asset reporting, user reporting, and a full technology cost of ownership budget. That's the automation component. And then we deliver risk assessments. So these are not automated. These are those survey questions, right? Questionnaires 
that let you really drill into the pain points customers are having or security concerns, tie those things together in a recommendation. So you can really do a technology roadmap for your partners. Our goal is to help deliver strategy, right? You should be talking business goals with your clients and how technology helps them. Uh, in, in today's world, everybody's business is done with tech. So you should be talking the technical ways to help right. a business, not flux capacitors and, and widgets, et cetera. Uh, and we drive that with insights on the customer success side of the house around health and cadence and goals for your clients, stack alignment, et cetera. So if folks are not familiar with quarterly business reviews, um, why is the focus on business? Like what's the business piece of that? And how do I, as a nerd, and I actually know the answer to this, but how do I, as a nerd, start a business conversation with my clients? Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those what's in it for me conversations. If you think about literally any meeting you are invited to, you've got to be thinking what's in this for me, right? You're probably thinking, how can I get out of it? Which is exactly what they're going to think if you as an IT provider just call and say, hey, I would like to talk to you for the next hour and a half. Because they're thinking you're going to come talk about Again, I always say flux capacitors and you know petaflops, et cetera, that they're not going to understand. So the reason it needs to be about business is a couple of things. One, it is what your client cares about. Right. <laughs> and two, their success is your success, right? That's why customer success is the fastest growing division across all industries today is because they're realizing if we can make our clients successful, we become more successful. How do you deliver business conversations? So this is where IT folks often get nervous. So you're right, many times, like I, smartest guy in the room, know what I'm talking about in terms of tech and very comfortable talking tech pieces. And now I'm supposed to be a business consultant with a, an insurance agent, an accountant, right? I don't know either insurance or accounting. How am I supposed to do that? Well, you let them be the experts there and you help them with the processes they're in need of. So with everything, it's all about questions, right? So you don't go in saying, I know everything there is to know about being a dentist and I can right. tell you exactly what you need to do, right? That is the fastest way to get kicked out on your can for sure. But to ask questions like, um, so tell me about your business goals. Are you growing? Are you contracting? Do you wanna grow new locations, right? How is your industry changing? What are three things you wish technology could do for you, right? If you start asking those questions, what are some things your team does manually that makes you crazy, right? IT professionals are really optimizers, right? One of the things technology does, one of the purposes of it is to maximize and optimize time. So when you start asking them questions about what do you feel like you're wasting time on, that is where the IT business owner can say, oh, well, we have some ideas on what could help there. Right. And then along that line, you're always looking for keeping our technology stable, supportable, secure, right? Uh, and sustainable. So all of those things fall into identifying risk because that's also something the business owner is going to care about. So if you ask the question, so my husband's a landscaper. We went out to dinner with one of his clients who's a high-end lawyer in Philadelphia and and the conversation literally was this. So Marnie, you work in IT. What can you tell me? And I thought he, he's not going to 
you know, have any interest in, in talking QBRs with me. And I said, well, I'll just ask you this question. What keeps you up at night about IT? And he said, I'm terrified of a ransomware attack. And I said, well, tell me what tool you use for cybersecurity phishing training. And he said, crickets, yeah. had no answer. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. Like that's, I'm serious. That's not an okay answer. And remember, this is my husband's client that I'm now telling. Uh, this is not an acceptable response. Right. And so I actually went to our partners and and put in our Facebook group, okay, who's in the area? I, I need to get somebody to my partner. And they, one of our clients ended up doing quite a bit of business with him because just asking the question, what's keeping you up at night? His answer was a tech concern. And, right. and we ended up selling, like I, I just connected him to an MSP who sold the project to him. So when you ask them questions like, what, what do you dream technology could do for you? Or what are you scared it's not doing for you? There's a sale in play. So business reviews are the opportunity to have that conversation. That's not a sales pitch, right? I didn't go to dinner to pitch him on somebody else's cybersecurity phishing training. Right. Well, it's also the case if you do these regularly and which can be once a year <laughs> i call them roadmap meetings you know rather than qbr right, absolutely but, but uh if you do this on a regular basis you can just start with so what's changed since i saw you last you absolutely. know and like you said what are the challenges in your industry how is your technology changing is your line of business app moving to the cloud like what's going on and it begins a never-ending conversation right because yeah. next time you come back and you say hey it's been whatever six months uh, what's going on? What's changing right now? I mean, as we record this, we might be going into some kind of a recession. So are you downsizing? You know, how can we help you? And some of it's not quote unquote sales, but let's make sure all those new laptops that you bought go to the people who are staying, not the people who are being laid off. You know, let's sort of make sure you're getting the most of your investment. And then they see that you actually understand their business in, and that you're trying to help them be efficient and effective and not just every time that they see you, they think it's a sales meeting. Well, and one of the interesting pieces that we aim to automate for folks is I mentioned the total cost of ownership budget, right? So this is road mapping. You said roadmap meetings, right? Road mapping your technology for the next five years. Uh, we say this for a couple of reasons. One, it gives them permission to say yes to the next meeting with you because you've already told them this is about what your budget's going to be. So I'm not coming to something new you didn't know about, right? But the other piece is you're no longer blindsiding them. If they think every time they meet with you, they could potentially be blindsided with $20,000 server expense by golly, I'm going to opt to not meet with you. Like let's, right. <laughs> let's block Carl for two more months because I know what he's coming for. But if you've projected that in two years, we're going to have that conversation, right? Then, then I'd love to hear what you have to say now. So it's interesting how being able to help them make those projections takes off the anxiety that maybe you are coming for a sales call and to present a budget beyond what your services are, right? Put on there, their line of business applications, their phones, their printers, their copiers, it might give you insights into ways to save the money. You may make some money along the way, but it also shows them that your bill is not the only technology bill, right? And, and I had a consultant say to us, budgets don't get cut, expenses get cut. So when you plan for a budget, they're planning for the expense that is you. Right. It's no longer a sales call, it's a business conversation. So one of the things is that like, if you have a big project, before you go in for the project, you're going to ask your staff, tell me everything about 
what's going on with this client? What are the problems? What, what issues? I don't want to get hijacked when I'm in there, right? So, so how do you help me prepare for a meeting so I don't go in there and I'm surprised because the client's like, you guys have got this shit that's been broken for six months. Yep. What are you going to do about it? And like, oh, that's not what the meeting was about. <laughs> so, so true customer success is about being proactive. And a part of that is how you plan for a business review. So we recommend three weeks out sending your point of contact an agenda that's a collaborative agenda. So here are some things we want to talk about. What would you want to talk about? You know, what, what things are, are top of mind for you? Be sure to include those questions that we mentioned, right? What's on your wish list? Are you growing contracting? So they start thinking strategically. But when that agenda comes back and you see ticket 1783, you know what you should not be discussing at that meeting is ticket 1783 because you should immediately fix ticket 1783 right. and call the owner and say, I saw that ticket 1783 was a concern for you. You're much too important for us to wait three weeks to resolve that. This is what I'm doing, have done, right? I assume wagons have been circled, et cetera. Um, it does a couple of things. First, it tells them they're important. You heard their concern. It also, I, you know, Sometimes, have you ever walked into a meeting where they told you to write down everything that's on your mind right then to keep right. them focusing on the meeting? Same thing. You've got to eliminate any potential customer satisfaction or annoying issues because if there are tactical fires, you literally cannot have a strategic conversation when someone's trying to put out tactical fires. So you put that out in advance so that when you get to the meeting, if you talk about tickets, it's at a high level of you know, just a quick scorecard type thing. I definitely learned that the hard way where I went in and got skewered. It was like an autopsy. I left the meeting and that's the first line in the book is I was catching bullets with my teeth and taking knives in my back. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> How? That's not the job I thought I got into. So I learned fairly quickly to a preemptive strike on that to make sure they're in a good place when you get to a, a conversation where they can have a strategic mindset is really important. And do you find that clients um, like the reports enough that they look forward to them? Like I can't, you know, I want to have another meeting because I really like this, these reports about what you're actually doing and where we are. And, you know, I like, I like the little green check boxes and not the little red X's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I just met with one of our partners yesterday who wanted to share some of the feedback he got from some of his partners. And one of the things that he said, so he always asks at the end, what did you like? What did you get out of this meeting? What was a positive? What's something you'd like to change? And what would you like me to make sure I address next time? And they said that their favorite part of the meeting was the assessment comparison um, piece where he shows how they've moved the needle for them. So they give a health score based on a risk assessment and then show where they are now. And it has all of the detail of the individual ways they've moved the needle. But what they can see is all of those answers that are red, yellow, green when they go from red to green, their health score, right, goes up. And they said that they really enjoyed that. Um, we had a call with our partners a couple of weeks ago around goal setting. And I would say as the process of business reviews mature, uh, it tightens up so that they don't have to take three hours. You know, as Mark Twain said, you know, if I'd had more time, we would have had, I would have written you a shorter letter but instead I wrote you a long one. So the more you focus on business goals, you really end up stripping out and make them 
addendum appendix type information that you don't have to speak through at a meeting. So for example, the first time you do one, the asset inventory and user inventory first, every cybersecurity framework and every cybersecurity liability insurance policy asks if you're doing that. So you need to bring that to the table the first couple of times you have a business review. But once that becomes habit, that can turn into your appendix or an email, right? Because now you're talking about high level pieces. Are you trying to move to the cloud, right? What, what business objectives are you trying to accomplish that is done with technology? So when you're talking about business goals and business objectives, they absolutely want you to come to the meeting. If you stand there and run through a list of optiplexes, uh, what that they want to, you know, get rid of, get warranty updates on, like, that 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 can't be that's not the high level conversation they want to have if you're talking about ways to save a fte with technology right ways to be more productive uh, ways to get better insights all of those types of things they absolutely want to come to the table but we hear a lot of people at first get pushback because they're not sure what that strategic conversation looks like and that is all we talk about all day every day is how to drive strategic not tactical, historical, this is how many patch stats I've run for you, you know, conversations. So um, talk about this, the strategy of scheduling. Do you start with your smallest, least important client or your, your <laughs> biggest, most important client? That is a softball. Like I might be holding that ball in my hand, right? So um, one of the things, so, so part of where I came from is I got acquired four times and along the way, Every time we got acquired, we either kept the same amount of staff or cut staff and we would double our client base. So I went from 90 clients to 150 to 450 to 900 in 18 months. So you don't have the luxury of the same one-on-one -on -one contact. So we quickly had to come up with a way to scale our services as customer success team. So what we did was we call it segmentation. And in the software industry, People talk about this all the time. It's sort of a new way of talking about it um, for some MSPs, although we hear other consultants talk about it similarly. This is really think about the value a client brings to you, right? So let's just talk about MRR versus their effort. So I always ask people to picture, think about your highest paying highest effort client. They're probably a department of defense contractor or some HIPAA compliant, right? There's probably some complexity there that makes them first have to pay a lot for your services and for you to have to do a lot of work on. That probably, that's in your high touch quadrant, right? So those are quarterly, maybe monthly business reviews. I had a client that paid us $1.7 million a year. You know how often they have business reviews? Monthly. All you know time. how often they got in touch with us? Weekly. And if they wanted to text me, they could. Um, then you look at where my high value, low effort? These are probably your favorite, most profitable clients, right? They hardly ever call. They get the value of what you do and, and they appreciate it when you do meet with them, but you don't have to meet with them often. So that might be the semi-annual or to your point, annual clients. Um, and then I always talk about this in quadrants. So I know folks can't see me waving my hands as the <laughs> Italian that I am, but my lower left quadrant, I've got low value, low effort. Now, low value seems like that might not be the win for you, but you can get a lot of low value clients that actually are good value for your company because this is where you can automate. 
So you mentioned earlier, you might only meet with your clients once a year, but you can automate engagements with them, right? So it's Cybersecurity Awareness Month. This is what Carl's done for you lately, right? So you can send them the automated reminders in that tech touch component. There are absolutely companies I work with that I just want to tech touch on. I, I don't want to meet quarterly with every single vendor I've ever talked to. And, and for some of your clients, there's a lot of value there. So that's how I divvy up you know, who gets a quarterly, who gets a semi-annually, who gets annual, et cetera. And then I'm sure for folks playing along at home, there's an extra quadrant we haven't talked about. And that's your high effort, low value client. Right. Uh, so we've got some choices. We can renegotiate the contract with them and get them to pay money that are, you know, in line with the work you're doing for them. We can figure out why there are whiny clients. And if there are, you know, if they never agree to do asset lifecycle management, so they're working on 13 year old machines, I'm talking to you, nonprofit libraries, right? (laughs) We got to find a way to make you less sticky. Um, uh, So, you know, less less tickety and more into the automation piece, or maybe they're bad clients. Um, I've recently been reading the pumpkin plan, which would say you fire those clients because they're not making you any stronger and they're taking all your time. So that's kind of how I like to think about segmenting them so that everybody gets the business review they deserve, not the same business review, right? That's the difference between equality and equity. Everybody gets what they need. Not everybody gets the same thing. Well, and there's clients who want to engage and clients who don't. I mean, there's Absolutely. there are clients that no matter what you do, they're going to think this is a sales call and they're not interested. And it's like, okay, fine. Um, do you ever require uh, a business review? So it's interesting whether or not the company does. Cybersecurity liability compliance, um, cybersecurity liability insurance and frameworks are starting to require. So I would look carefully at managed service agreements um, to see what you've committed to and what their policies require, because we are hearing more and more folks um, say that they're being held to what what they've put on paper or what the cybersecurity liability insurance requirements require of them. So um, I think, you know, require always sounds like some scary mandate, but the reality of it is, is it's protecting your business as well. So make something that is doable for you, part of your practice, and then implement it. I recently heard Paul Dipple talk about the two things that the most operationally mature MSPs do, um, or that the, their, their percentages are higher when they answer these two questions. One, how many of your partners buy into your full stack? The higher that percentage is, the better off you are. Two is how many are getting true quarterly business reviews. Again, not aiming for 100%, but the more that have bought into your practices, your standards, your services, the more likely they are to value the business review the more that line they probably are to your, you know, standards and stacks. So it's really better business for everybody. So uh, you may or may not have heard this story before, but uh, when I sold my last business, uh, maybe a year and a half later, I was at an airport in Southern California and I ran into one of my favorite clients and she said, Hey, uh, great to see you. We've not had a business review since you left. Can you contact Tom and arrange for the three of us to meet? Because I want him to see how you do it. And I want us 
to get the review because we're overdue. So I arranged this meeting and she starts out by literally saying, so here's the age of all of this equipment. These things are all going to be three years old this year. So we need to replace them. And da-da-da. like he spent the first 20 minutes taking orders, right? And he clearly, he saw the value of a regular business review from a yeah. client yeah. who had, you know, basically accepted the program and loved it and was yeah. like, lost you set the expectation. without it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, I mean, that is the power of getting clients to understand this. And, you know, at first they may be resistant, but over time, it's literally, they see you as part of their success. And there's, there's no exaggeration about that. Yep. If you're doing your job as a consultant, you will make them better at what they do. Yeah. They will want you back again and again. So part of my role um, in the ed tech world was I was an internal and external consultant and I never had a sales quota, but the sales team always wanted me to come with them because in consulting, I typically ended up selling for them. So they thought, well, she doesn't really have to do a lot of work here because she just comes in and talks to them. And then the solution is our products and we make big sales. So if you're really consulting with them and you want what's best for them, because you've done your homework and have the tool stacks and services that support what businesses need, of course, they're going to be sales, but you don't, that's not what consulting is around it. Um, One of my favorite books in the world of consulting is Getting Naked by Patrick Lencioni, which really speaks to that, right? I don't have to know the business itself, right? I don't have to be a dentist and I don't have to come in prepared with a solution until I've had a conversation with them. Um, And and they usually, like, like your client, once they buy into your story, they're like, hey, where's, where am I now? I need to buy some new computers from you. It's done. Exactly. We're almost out of time, but let me uh, let you uh, talk about your book and um, uh, tell folks how to get started, uh, go to your website, so forth. Sure. Yeah. So I wrote the book on customer success for MSPs, literally. So that is what it's called is literally. You can find it on Amazon. Um, fortunately, I'm named Marnie. So if you just type in literally and Marnie on Amazon, the links <laughs> will pop right up. Nice. Very simple. Thanks, mom and dad. Um, and really, the first part of the book is about the philosophy of why customer success is important. And the second part of the book is a workshop basically in a book of how to determine the customer success metrics that matter for your business uh, and really what practices to put in place to deliver on those metrics. Uh, We now have the platform that I wrote about in the book. So I used that book to launch our second platform. So what I talked about earlier, our VCIO platform, it's all about automating the QBRs. And then our second platform is customer success. So it's really around tracking customer health um, goals and stack alignment, which is really opportunities for MSPs. So um, I always like to say that, you know, people are going to get more out of our marketing than they'll ever get out of our platform. So I'm happy to have conversations whether <laughs> people want a life cycle or not around customer success because I'm really passionate around it or QBR. So um, if anybody wants to reach out, again, I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn because I'm the only Marnie Stockman. And then if you are curious about what Lifecycle Insights can do, we're at lifecycleinsights.io. We put all the things on the website, including the pricing, et cetera. So we're not shy. Transparency is our second core value after raving fans. All right. Very good. Marty Stockman from lifecycleinsights.io. Thank you for being with us. This has been another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.